This morning, no turning back. I mean, you can leave if you want to, but it is so good seeing your faces this morning, your smiles, as we come into the Lord's house, a time to look at his word and to worship and to grab what he has for us this morning. It's kind of interesting. I had the scripture for this morning about a month ago, although I had no content to it, if you will. But God specifically put this morning's message on my heart a while back. And we're going to be in James 1 this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn there, whether you turn there by a Bible, by a a YouTube, or YouTube, by a YouVersion app. Don't go to YouTube. No, strange things pop up and probably distract us. And actually, there is a, a, a New King James Version, which I'm using this morning. Uh, some, there's uh, some throughout the sanctuary underneath the seats. If you see one and need one, go ahead and grab it. But we're in James 1 this morning. And really, uh, this is a, a, a text that has been a text for my entire believing life as a brand new believer uh, it was my very first life verse. And then my second life verse, which is still my life verse to this day, is found in Hebrews ten nineteen through 25. But this was my very first life verse because I found myself as a new believer being confronted by many trials. I mean, I've always had trials prior to being a born-again believer. But all of a sudden, as a, as a brand-new believer, one who repented of my sin, and and put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I discovered in my heart and knew deep down there was no turning back. I didn't want to turn back, but I knew something was different. I knew something happened in me that would never change. And And I had a choice to move forward in that belief and trust or not. Pretty interesting. I have a couple pictures I want to show you. Uh, Ryan, would you show the first one? Most of you know this little guy. That's Buddy, yeah, that's Buddy. That's our little puppy dog, Buddy. And uh, I just wanted to really share just another little story about Buddy and Trish put on Facebook that she thinks I put more pictures of Buddy on Facebook than I do her, but <laughs> that <laughs> I do. <laughs> but Buddy, our little Buddy here, I confuse him all the time, and I don't mean to. I mean, you know, you, you, Buddy, we've had him such a puppy. He was, a, 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 you know, uh, what, six weeks old, we, we got Buddy. He's like three years old now. But And you pick up Buddy. And you put him down, and he would have a tendency to go to the bathroom where he shouldn't, right? So you go, what do you do? Buddy, no. Buddy, no. Buddy learned no pretty quick, right? And then as Buddy got older and we got closer, I'd pick up Buddy, and he would have this. He almost purrs like a cat, which is a little interesting. I don't know what that is. But anyway, I'd pick him up, and I'd go, oh, Buddy, you know I love you, Buddy. You know, hear me. And it hit me more and more as I would say, trying to discipline Buddy, I would say, no, Buddy. And he he would 
sometimes cower or he would, you know, because of my sternness in my voice. And yet, then I'd pick him up and say, well, you know, you're a good boy. You know. Why do I share that story? Because I think sometimes we get a little confused in our relationship with God. You know, we, we all believe that God is a loving God, which he is, and, and that he wants to embrace us and that he whispers into my ear, my heart, and I know many in this room, I love you, Tony. But then sometimes we get confused. You know, how can a loving God allow things to come into our life like trials? We're fixing to look at James 1 and James says, count it all joy when we're tested in our faith, when trials, various trials come against us. And you're just like, what, what are you talking about? How do you count joy, trials that come into our life? And, and I just kind of thought of Buddy when I was praying about this. I mean, Buddy's Buddy. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's a dog. That God created too. Just like the birds, the bees, the trees. And the mixed messages I seem to be sending Buddy. Well, here's another picture. All right, now this is crazy. We, I'd like to stay on this for about five minutes and psychoanalyze every single dog's personality. <laughs> I don't know if some of you are like that. But believe it or not, these are dogs off from one home. And this person was able to get every single one of them to, to poise or position themselves. I'm serious. And, and this lady took this picture. But can you see the different personalities? Isn't that crazy? You know, like, I'll just point out a couple here that I think is pretty cool. Okay, you see the terrier? I think that's the terrier in the far upper right. Okay, it's kind of like, huh? You know, what? And then the one next to him is going, oh, come on, get this over with. You know, we're kind of like, and then and then you just keep going down the line. And I think you can see the picture pretty clear. But they all have different, like, personalities. It's interesting. None of them are treated the same by their master. Their master has to approach every single one of these dogs. This is all one home, I kid you not. In a different way. The master, actually a husband and wife, have learned how to approach each dog to make them behave. To make them do what they're supposed to do. And I don't know who this lady is that can make them all do that. But we need to hire her. Because that's crazy. That one second, that one snapshot. We're all different. God created us in his image. And we, every single one of us have a different character, if you will. A different personality. And here you have James. He's fixing to talk to us. So take a deep breath and listen to the word of God as he speaks to every single person individually, including myself in this room this morning. He has a word to say. Thanks for the picture. If we leave it up there, everyone will be thinking dog all through the... Thank you. Um, was everyone basically able to get a worship guide, if you will, if you didn't? If you do, though, would you pull it out? I want you to write something on it. If you didn't get one, just, you know, do this in your in your mind. <laughs> but I want, there's a little space on top, and you're going to write something on there this morning. It's a little space. Write small. It's okay. And here's what I want you to write. The trials that are in my life are a gift from God.
The trials that are in my life are a gift from God. We talk a lot about God's gift to us through his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For it's a free gift from God, God's grace. How would we ever think of a trial as being a gift from God? And here we go. James 1, I'm going to start in verse 2. It says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask not in, or let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Father God, we do thank you for this day that you've given us, a time to come together. We're in a place that you have brought each and every one of us. You positioned us here just as you pleased. You appointed us here for this morning. Father, you know I'm not just saying that. I believe it with all of my heart. Every single person in this room that has gathered today is to hear this word, your word, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So James starts this off in verse 2. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And quite frankly, when we experience a trial, normally we fall into the thing, right? I mean, if it, it might be something that's not even our fault, for lack of a better way to say it. I know Trish um, has had an opportunity to be rear-ended. Uh, actually, Heather has too, I think, right, Heather? You've been rear-ended or sideswiped anyway. Just driving, minding their own business. The next thing you know, slam, someone smacks her. And she gets out, and what do we have? We have an accident. We have a trial because now, because of someone else's doing, if you will, we got to take this thing to get it fixed, and there's, you know, making appointments, and the people sometimes don't keep the appointments, and on and on and on and on. And then there's the trials that we fall into that, you know, all of a sudden, life is good, and maybe an illness comes, or maybe a job changes, or maybe we get fired. And it just, it just doesn't seem right. You know, why, why do things happen sometimes that just come against us? And here, what's happening here is James is saying, count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Now listen to verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So when we fall into a trial as a believer... We fall into this thing, this whatever's coming against us. Our faith will be tested. It really will. Our faith will be tested. And here, James is saying, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Some translations say perseverance. 
And look at the word here where it says produces. Produces. Without the trial, there is no production of patience. Anyone here feel like you're not a very patient person? Anyone here ever pray for patience? Don't do that. I did that when I was a new believer too, and I I unprayed it. I got on my knees. <laughs> I was about a week old in Christ, and I got on my knees and I went, God, I didn't mean to pray that. I, didn't, I just didn't really. I didn't know you. I didn't know you heard me, God, when I prayed. I didn't realize that you really like would answer. But James is saying that when we fall into these trials, our our faith will be tested. It actually will, listen, it actually will come to bring about a patience in us or a perseverance in us. To persevere through these things that come against us in our life. The, the, the trial will produce this within us. Do, do you get, do you, do you grab in this? I mean, oh my. Surely we're not going here. Surely he's not fixing to tell us that God is in control. And when trials come into our life, he knows it. And he allows it so that we will be tested in our faith. Surely we're not going there. And then verse 4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He went there. The only way we'll ever grow up is when we are challenged to the core of our heart in believing or not believing who God is or is not to us. There is no other way I mean, I don't know that I could be so confident in preaching this today five, ten years ago. I, I don't know. It just seems like I'm a, I'm a, um, falling into various trials magnet. Anyone ever feel like that? Like stuff just keeps coming and coming. It's like the energizing bunny. It never stops or seems to stop. And I'm only going in two directions this morning. There's many that we could go. I'm only going in two directions this morning. One is that we do what James is saying, is that when we're tested in our faith, we allow the trial to draw us near to God or not. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So even in the middle of this trial that we're facing, God promises us. If we ask. You ever, you ever in the middle of a trial, something that's coming against you? You ever in the middle of this thing, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get back at them. Or I can't believe this happened to me. And your first response is very emotional, which I understand. I mean, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We have a sin nature. We have a, God made, created us to be emotional, uh, to have feelings. It's not that, that that is wrong. But we'll have a tendency when this thing comes against us to just go, charge! And who can I get to go with me? 
And I'll, I'll start asking anyone and everyone that will agree with me. Okay, about a third of you are saying, I would never do that. And then the rest are just going, I, 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 just, I shouldn't kid like that. I'm just seeing if you're listening. So what do we do? I mean, God says to ask. He says, number one, he says, these trials will come into your life because you're going to fall into them. I, you, can't, you can't just go, oh, no trials. You know, like a two-year-old, I don't see you, I don't see you, I don't see you. No, I don't see you. No, they're going to happen, and, and, and they're just going to like you're going to live life. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's there. It's like this pit. And all of a sudden, you're looking up, and, and like, ah, uh, what do I do? And then our flesh kicks in, and we start doing whatever we can to get out of this pit and saying whatever we can and thinking whatever we can. And, and, and maybe we throw a couple of, hey, God, please, you know, I don't want this trial. What, what's going on? I mean, if you love me, I mean, I'm following your will. I'm, I thought I was doing what you said. And why is this thing coming against me? And, and, the, and James says, ask. For lack of a better way to say it, shut your mouth and ask. The, again, the emotions and things are okay, but there's got to be a time. There's got to be a time where you just take that deep breath and you go, God, what can I get out of this? How can I glorify you? Because if not, it will haunt you the rest of your life. And some of you, you know what I mean. Years have gone by, years and years and years, and it's and some trials you you still have not pushed through. Pastor Tony, what do you do? I thought this was supposed to make us feel good. I thought we were supposed to come here to be encouraged and edified. We are. Be encouraged. God is still God. He still wants to get you through the trial even from 20 years ago. He's not changed. He still wants you to grow up. He still wants you to mature. He still wants you to develop that patience and that perseverance so that, you know what, the next time a trial comes in your life, listen, the next time a trial comes in your life, you will go, now, as I mature and I grow and I draw near to God, I, I, I know you got this, God. You, you got this. As hard as it seems, as much as I don't understand By faith, I'm going to engage this thing. Back to verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you just caught what's happening here, but this is tough for me. Because this is the point where you say, why me? Like, why me? I mean, why? 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 Someone falsely accuses you and talks bad about you. And, and even some of your friends believe it. You lose your job, whatever the case may be. And you go, why me? But I thought, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm following your will. I, why am I sick? 
Why do I have this disease? Why? Why am I saying this is so tough? Verse 7 says, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Do you realize what he's saying? There is no why me's in God's economy. Only that my actions and my heart would glorify him. That's tough. We we can't camp here, guys. We can't camp in the world of trials that have eaten us alive and that hold us back. No turning back. I'm looking at the words. <laughs> no turning back. He goes on in verse 12. He says this. Blessed is a man who endures temptation. Now watch. There's going to be a transition here that's going to say, this is, this is like, hey, God, help me out. And this is where God goes, hey, Tony, let me tell you what's happening, why you're stuck. And he says, blessed is a man who endures temptations for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived its birth to sin, And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The one thing that stops us, the main thing that stops us from seeing a trial that has come into our life is first saying, God, are you in control or not? And yes, he is. So here it comes. By faith, I'm going to engage this thing with you, God. I'm going to engage this trial. Or not. I choose not. Today, I'm going to choose not. I'm not going to face this trial. I'm, just, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get back at this person that did me wrong. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to tell some stuff about this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And the next thing you know, we start to fade, fade, fade. And right here it says, right here in verse 13, let no one say he is tempted. I'm tempted that, that God is tempting us. You got to hear this. If God is in control and he allowed this trial into our life, you got to be really careful when you're going to say, I'm going to take control of this thing myself. Because what's happening is, believe it or not, even though it's not our fault in this case, which it could be our fault, side note. Okay, so let's say it's not our fault. Believe it or not, what's happening is our own selfish desires start to take us and pull us away from God, the one person that can get us through this thing. Do you get do you get what's going on here? And so we run, and we run. Hey, James says that, I'm going to jump back to verse 4 only for this, watch. But let patience have its perfect work, that we may be perfect and complete. You know how much God loves us? That if we don't get it the first time, there will be a second time. And a third, and a fourth, and oh my goodness. 
You ever have some of them? I'm old enough. I've had a few rounds. Oh, my goodness. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth a death. Watch this in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Oh, catch this. Watch. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now go go back to verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work. Just in case we needed to understand that God does let trials come into our life and trials do perfect us. Just in case we needed to really get that by the word of God nailed into our heart. James is saying that when trials come into our life, it's a perfect gift. Now, realizing, realizing too, the context is talking about salvation, but I'm talking to born-again believers when, our, when I say our faith is being tested. So just so, again, theologians in here, you get the parallel. I'm not trying to go out of the context of the Scripture here. And if you just didn't understand a word I just said, it's okay. But some do, I promise you. So how do we push through this thing? Well, he says, back to verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. It's by the word of God, the word that came, became flesh, and by his word, we'll persevere through this trial. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. A trial comes into our life. We choose to fight it ourselves. Surely a loving God would not do this to me. So I'm going to fight, 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 and I'm going to get anyone to help me to fight. It does not produce the righteousness of God. And then we go back, and what James is saying in its totality is saying, listen, listen, listen. It's this very trial that's going to perfect you in righteousness. See, I, I, I can't tell you, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I can't tell you how many times I wanted to run from this scripture early on. I wanted to run, 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 run. God did not understand my heart. God did not understand when people come against me, when things happened to me that were not my fault, and I did not do. And I look at this, and I look at this, and I look at this, and I read, and I pray, and I pray. There's no turning back, guys. If we're here this morning, and you have allowed a trial, I don't know any other word that encapsulates what I believe needs to be spoken here. To haunt you from your past. 
You have not allowed your faith to engage it in the word of God and the spirit of God to empower you to get through it and to grow in your perseverance so that you have a persevering spirit given by God so that you move on and you're stuck. I hate it. I've been there myself. I can't think of anything today where I'm because I've been on my knees for years and years. God, I want this thing that from my past to hold me back. What am I doing? I'm doubting you. I'm making, I'm making you, if, if you will, I'm making God the fool by allowing these things from my past to hold me captive. James says, don't do it. Let your faith be tested. Grab a hold of what God has for you. He is there. He has allowed it to make you strong. To separate the men from the boys, if I might use that saying, serious. To say, look, you want to know who a true believer is? And I, I don't say that lightly. But you want to know who really has come to that place of repentance and belief that Jesus Christ died for our sin and that I have that opportunity to repent and to believe and put my trust in him. I'm a born-again believer. The Spirit of God dwells within me. And I don't think God's in control. It makes me fade from God very quickly. Even as a believer, I can fade very quickly. You're in here and you got something from your past. You've not allowed God. You you said, God, you're not in control. He is this morning. Give it to him. He says, if we ask, ask, ask this morning. You might say, is that possible? Is that true? All I know is that it is. He is faithful and just. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Three years old in Christ, I'm going to Bible college. I'm in the back. There's about 400 students in this chapel. And I remember this, I'm 32 years old, and this 23-year-old girl came back from Africa. She was a missionary, said God told her to, that she needed to get her heart right because she had unforgiveness in her heart. And I'm back here going, well, wow. So this 23-year-old girl had to come back from Africa because she had unforgiveness in her heart. And I'm back here and she's up there. And the next thing I know, God said, what about you, Tony? And I said, what do you mean? What about me? He goes, what about your unforgiveness? What about you holding on to the past things in life? And they're, they're standing between what I want for you. And I wanted to run. I wanted to deny. I wanted to, I wanted to take James and just go, this is not reality. This is not true. God, you just don't understand. And the next thing I know, he said, I do and give it to me. And I'm telling you, I couldn't, I, I get up. To go to the front. I'm just going to someone pray for me. <laughs> I just want, I want someone to pray for me. I was a little confused for lack of way to say it. Not from the word of God. Not because of God. Because my flesh just didn't want to give it to God. And the next thing I know I'm, I fall. Because I'm shaking and I'm crying. And I don't cry. And I start crawling in front of 400 students. Bawling like a little baby. And I hit the steps similar to this, and I just remember God saying, 
I got this. This is what it takes for you to persevere. This is what it takes for you to give it to me. I've got this. And people came up and they prayed, and I just could feel the presence of God. And and in that moment of time, it's like I got this freedom from, from things in my past that were trying to hold me captive. Things that I just denied that, you know, you don't, you don't understand things, you know. How much I hate that person for what they did. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. This morning, we are going to receive communion. Um, I realize we do have uh, children uh, with us this morning. Uh, Parents, we leave it up to you whether you know if your child has come to a place of uh, understanding salvation. uh, You know, what the Lord's Supper or or communion actually means. Um, It's okay, even if you're an adult in this room, excuse me, or a youth, and you, you really haven't come to a place where you know you've repented of your sin and asked Jesus to be your Savior. You're a born-again believer. You understand what Christ did. God sent his one and only son to this earth, that he literally would pay the penalty for our sin by dying on a cross, being buried, but rising again. He's not dead. The Spirit of Christ dwells in me today. It's awesome. So if that's you, don't feel awkward in not receiving communion. Communion is, well, I'm going to read out of Scripture here in a minute, but communion is that place and that time where Jesus himself said, when you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I did for you. Remember what I did for you. Some of us need that reminder, right? This is a freeing day that trials will not come against us. Listen to 1 Corinthians 11.23. This is Paul speaking. Watch these words. For I received from the Lord, this is Paul speaking, because I'm jumping into the middle of the text. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed. Ah! Now, you're catching this in the context of James. In the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, Do this in remembrance of me. Think about this. Jesus totally betrayed, totally falsely accused, knowing he's going to be taken to death, gives thanks to God for allowing this to happen. Oh, oh. I'm serious. How do you do that? Only by the grace of God. If I can have the the ushers come forward, please.
deacons, so come on forward. We'll receive our offering after we, we uh, receive communion. Pastor Larry, <laughs> I saw it in your smile before I even I even said Pastor Larry. I just love music. It's so awesome. Music is God's gift for sure to engage who he's made us to be or can be. Sometimes some music I go, well, I don't know what, what that is, but. I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll go ahead and hand out the elements, and then we'll continue, okay? Father God, again, we thank you so much for this day, this time, your word, your spirit, your love, your grace, your anointing, your strength that can only speak into our heart, the wisdom that only you can give to let us know in the deepest part of our spirit what you say is true. You are a God that's in control. You allow these trials to come into our life to mature us, to strengthen us, to give us a boldness in our faith for you, but ultimately to glorify you. That people can tell the difference People can see someone that says they know you and loves you against the person that says they know you but just fights. Fights the world, the flesh, and it gets angry. It's only by your grace we can even consider these things, God. We're claiming it to your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.